I knew this game would be like a sea change in crypto. It would be like the future because it was actually using the power of blockchain. Hi, everyone. This is Growing Web 3, a podcast that uncovers the growth stories behind the most successful crypto, DeFi, DAO, NFT, metaverse, and play-to-earn ecosystems. I'm your host, James RT, and each week I'll be sitting down with founders and experts on Web3 to pick their brains and learn about their growth stories. We'll discuss strategies and tactics to understand how they've grown Web3's billion-dollar protocols and communities. So whether you're in the midst of your own growth story or just getting started, this show is for you. Subscribe and join us each week as we discuss Growing Web3. Growing Web3 is brought to you by Hype Partners, the leading community management and marketing agency for Web3 organizations. Hype is a global agency of 120 marketers committed to supercharging Web3 ecosystems. Go to www.hype.partners to learn more. Hey everyone, welcome to the Growing Web3 podcast. I'm super excited to have Will Robinson here with me today. Um, he is a core contributor at Alliance DAO, and he'll tell you a little bit more about himself. Oh, great, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, James. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I joined Alliance. Um, it's a accelerator in Web3. We help all kinds of founders uh, from pre-seed to maybe about Series A um, understand a lot more about crypto in different ways. Uh, James has actually come and given a talk once uh, to our uh, community of founders. And we have all these domain experts that are like sort of grouped together looking to um, grow a select few. We had 750 applications for our last cohort um, and we let 25 in. Uh, so it's a 3% acceptance rate about. Um, the focus really is on all things Web3. So we used to be pretty DeFi heavy, but now we do a lot of DAO and infrastructure and games. My role there is head up community, but also as a mentor. Uh, my background, I have about three and a half years as a forensic crypto auditor. We audited all kinds of major cryptocurrency foundations and exchanges from around the world. Uh, the work was really about learning how consensus is built and proving out all kinds of reports so that judges and juries can understand, like, did people really hold crypto? And what was it like? And when did they have it? And do you have proof? Because like, we don't trust the blockchain and we can't call up the bank to find out. Uh, before that, I did a PhD in video game design, taught video game design for seven years. And so today, uh, a lot of the work I do and focus on is at the intersection of crypto and games. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, um, it's been, it was awesome to come and give that talk to uh, the cohort. Uh, generally, I think Alliance DAO is full of very, very smart teams, very smart people. So I'm not surprised by the acceptance rate of 3%. How does that kind of compare to YC? Is it harder to get into? Sounds like it. That's a good question. Um, I think it's pretty similar. They had something like almost 10,000 applications for 400 entrants. Okay. Um, so yeah, they're about 4%, that, that back of the napkin math. Um, but it's better than Harvard. Uh, so, you know, come on and apply. We'd love to have people come in. Uh, 
there's a don't let people say that you're not in the top three percent either. We'll be the judge of that. Uh, whether you're you know just graduating high school or you've you know already exited three or four companies, um, we we're really trying to build this transnational network of super founders. Think of it like an Illuminati, right? Of Web three stakeholders, and uh, we've got great people in already from the founders of like Solana and Arbitrum and uh, Polygon to you know major Web two players as well. Uh, you know the founder of Twitch or Redacted, Redacted. They don't want me to say, um, but they're there. Uh, and also you know uh, your standard people you'd expect to like venture capitalists, thought leaders, and. <laughs> Uh, market makers like Jump and Wintermute, everybody sort of hanging out together, um, trying to build this thing. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really an incredible network. I think somewhere on the website there's like the the founders of the DAO, the original investors, or the new investors of the recent round. And yeah, it's it really is like the who's who um, of Web three, which is awesome. Yeah, we did this crazy thing by, by raising from three hundred people. Um, yeah. It was like we almost burned out Imran, like one of the core contributors to the Alliance doing it. But it was worth it because we got to seed this DAO of people who we think care a lot about Web3 and will be there through the bear markets. Absolutely. And it's like you have this in, yeah, this super network of contributors. So it's it's super, it's so cool. We were lucky. We started early. We had this. We had this amazing first cohort with DYDX and Open and Sets and IDEX and, um, oh, who am I forgetting? Kyber Network. And there's just like this synthetics with Kane. Like we had this incredible start uh, because nobody wanted to talk to DeFi companies. And we brought these major web to like TradFi uh, funds like Jump and CMT Digital and Cumberland together to help make these protocols become real markets. Uh, and that's what got the ball rolling, right? We were originally the Chicago DeFi Alliance, then the DeFi Alliance. And then we're like, we're more than DeFi, baby. We're the Alliance now. You can find us at alliance.xyz. Okay, but enough of that. Let's talk about other stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, you know where to go check out alliance.xyz. Um, yeah. So, Will, you have, uh, you've been playing one of the hardest games well, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to play it, but it's probably the hardest game I think out there called Dark Forest. And um, it has a very unique community, a very kind of, I would say, uh, a very um, extremely engaged niche community. So I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Dark Forest and their community and, yeah, the game. Sure. So, uh I'll give you some background. The game's about a year and a half old. Um, it was built by a team of four college kids. Um, and the premise was to really leverage the blockchain technologies we've been building to make a game that would have new affordances, um, new sort of experience. And so Dark Forest is a game that you could think of similar to maybe Eve Online or StarCraft, it's like a high-level strategy game about capturing planets. It's really a port of a game called Galcon, which is less famous, but it's like you capture a planet, it produces energy, you can send that energy to another planet, and you capture it, and now you have two planets that produce energy, and you grow at this exponential rate um, as you capture more and more planets until you hit opposition, and then you go to war with people. Uh, and this game, 
uh, is played fully on chain. That means the whole game state is on chain. Every planet owned, every move made, you can query. And what's really fun is all the moves are done in zero knowledge. So if you haven't discovered that part of space yet, like you haven't hashed out those coordinates, you don't know what's going on there. You just know that people are making legal moves there. And that was the first cool premise that they were going to try and show that you could um, have a fog of war that even like the game developers didn't know it was happening behind until they themselves like directed the compute to like figure out what was going on. Um, that was pretty interesting. The game, because it's fully on chain, um, is client agnostic. So the person who round one, like round 6.1, like rewrote parts of the interface so they could play the game more efficiently. Um, the head of Paradigm's um, tech group, like the CTO of the best investment fund in the world, Georgios, created a headless client. So you could just play the game in the command line and not have to actually have any visuals at all. Because again, like it's just a smart contract interface, right? Um, so that's pretty cool. The community also, in order to play efficiently, um, built a bunch of plugins, bots, tools, scripts to basically automate a lot of the work. So you can imagine as you're exponentially capturing planets, the number of moves to make gets unwieldy if you're really good. Um, and so at a certain point, you just want to like be like, hey, make decisions for me, computer. Uh, and building out the sort of logic for that has been an enormous community endeavor. Um, and so it's attracted engineers like really solid engineers yeah. and dedicated teens with a shit ton of time. Those are the two kinds of people who play. Um, and the leaderboard is really cool because it gets connected to Twitter accounts. And it's like a great place to poach um, excellent engineering talent. And right away, I knew that this game would be like a sea change in crypto. It would be like the future because it was actually using the power of blockchain um, in a way that no other game was doing because it's incredibly hard and ambitious. Like, how do you scale this? Um, the game's currently on Gnosis chain because you can make more transactions. But recently, yeah. we've been testing the redeployment on Optimism on Notion and stress testing Optimism on Notion so we get way more transactions. And that's also really interesting. Uh, so yeah, it's a cool game, fully unchained, composable, permissionless, open, uh, and a community of nerds that have been nerd sniped into playing it. Uh, essentially. And that community is now like leading the way in research around the concept of on-chain gaming. Um, and so it remains still very nerdy. Um, but as uh, I believe it's Paul Graham said, maybe it was Sam Altman, maybe it was Chris Dixon said, whatever the nerds are doing on weekends, that's what everyone's going to be doing on weekdays in 10 years. Um, and so this is the future we're tracing. I remember... One of them, there's this quote like from, I think, Paul Graham, like they were thinking about investing in YouTube. And then they realized that every startup office they went to um, in the Valley at that time, the founders were just using YouTube and just like of any company, they were just all watching YouTube. And they're like, okay, this is like the signal we need. Like everyone's just yeah. watching YouTube at work. And we're going to give it to Chris Dixon, by the way. It's the title of one of his blog posts. So... Uh, let yeah. me reiterate, okay, what the smartest people do on the weekend is what everyone else will do during the week in 10 years. Um, so there we go. Here you go. Smartest person right here. That's what I'm doing on weekends. There you go. Amazing. Um, and what's like, so the community is really highly technical. Um, how is like the community growing? It's growing from just from word of mouth or from yeah. people just interested in hard problems. 
like get drawn to it or Twitter. So the founding team has a, an insane amount of integrity and an incredibly low time preference for money. Um, they never released a token. They never needed to hype up the game. And in fact, games are bad at scaling on chain, so they never needed that many players. Um, so essentially what's happened is instead a kind of quality of players has grown. So instead of scaling number, scale like depth of knowledge and value of you know user acquisition, which is really different than most projects, right? And as a result, um, they've had a very mm, sticky organic growth, but that's been quite you know metered. It's not like uh, Axie or Steppen, which like has this incredible shock to the system. Um, yeah. And you know many people have tried to get exposure to it and to speculate on this community, but they've just continually resisted selling any part of it. They, they operate off Gitcoin grants. Um, and then they raise money to build this amazing research institution called Zero X Park, um, which is a joke on Xerox Park. Um, and so Zero X Park uh, is doing three different research experiments now. Dark Forest being one third. Um, Lattice, which is an on-chain game engine physics engine we don't know how to describe it yet because nothing's been like it but another way to say it is like the erc20 of gaming like what will be the standards for games to talk to each other um in the future so that we can build contracts that are composable with all the games like can we have a universal concept of damage um on chain right that would be insane um, cause damage is like unique is like, is dependent in every game. Almost every game has damage. Right. Um, so how do we think about that? And then the last one is just zero knowledge research. So we basically need in games, private information, like most board games hide something. Chess doesn't, but poker does for instance. Um, and so on chain, everything's public. So how do you use zero knowledge to reintroduce privacy guarantees and be able to reveal things in an efficient way? Like that's an quick, quick example of primitives we're looking to build. Yeah. Awesome. That's uh yeah, that's super cool. Super cool. And um, when it comes to like trying to grow these kind of games, you kind of, you mentioned that they're not looking for mass user acquisition. They're looking to acquire like, highly intelligent, engaged people. Um, and they can do that over time. They don't have huge pressures to yeah hit a million daily active users. Um, yeah, and an interesting thing they've done just to, to acquire those people is they did create like a an NFT collection. Um, it's called the Valhalla Planets. Um, the top 63 players in a round, and there have been like six or seven rounds now, get a planet from like level seven to level two in like value to just like artificially scarce yeah. NFTs. But they also mint planets for the people who open source the code and the plugins and the clients that have built that they've built. So if you create something in the game that grows the code base and everybody enjoys, there's a sort of NFT badge or reward coming yeah. for you. And the team has no idea what to do with these in the future, right? We don't know if they'll become the site of airdrops or governance or nothing at all. They're just collectibles. Um, yeah. But we're sort of keeping track of people's contributions. And they see contributions in two ways, right? Building code and playing the game as best as you can. And that's true. Like if you 
either of these things create value for the team. And so giving back tokens that reference that value is like an optimal way of sort of keeping the hopium at least alive. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. And do you think this strategy is going to become more common um, with games or yeah, how, how do you see Web3 games evolving? Do you think they're going to try and go uh, in, a, in a more kind of um, a, sl- a slower pace to launch? Or do you think they're going to continue to try and yeah, always appeal to a mass market audience or a large audience? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, right now, it feels like the very best that blockchain has to offer can only be offered to the very technical. Um, And so there's no real mass appeal there to be had. Uh, But there are other things that blockchains can provide. So one is, as we've seen, reflexive economic models, right? We can make number go up really fast and come down really fast and have a lot of excitement and fun around getting in and out like at optimal times and sort of creating a meta financial or gambling layer on top of the game. It's sort of like, Poker, right? Like poker is a game you can play without money, but it kind of sucks if you play without money. Um, and so like Axie is a game you can play with money, right? And yeah. you could play it without or with and the money made it fun or interesting. Same thing with Steppen, right? Uh, the, the other, I think, more sustainable model that people want to see in our building, and this is like the, you know, average like ambitious project is to share freemium revenue with players so we have all these games that are fun and addictive and become part of your social life and part of your identity and then you decide okay i'm ready to like spend five ten a thousand ten thousand dollars on this game depending on how much money means to me and that conversion rate is sometimes like one in 10 people pay and then one in a hundred people pay a lot and one in a thousand people pay a ton. Right. And so that's the normal financial model for freemium games. How do we make players capture some of that value as a way of doing user acquisition? So the hope is if we redistribute some of that capital to players, we'll be able to increase the top of funnel. So let's give up, 50% of the money we make to grow our game 10 times in size so that we end up actually making much more money than we were before, right? So instead of spending money on ads, we pay people directly, except we don't pay people directly. We build an economic system where money ends up in people's pockets. That's what people are trying to do right now. But that's like totally different from building on-chain games, right? They're like completely different technological elans. Absolutely. And I, yeah, it seems like, especially with Web3 games, and I mean, with a lot of Web3, it's like so much of the growth, so many growth decisions have to be product decisions, um, especially with these, yeah, uh, let's say new economic models for games, such as Steppen or Axie. It's like really getting the flywheel of growth going is having like this, this viral or something inherent in the product that which will allow that to happen, right? It's not because of the fun factor necessarily or word of mouth. It's because the ability to earn, which is, yeah, why play to earn is so popular as a phrase. But yeah, I guess it's 
maybe better if we get to a point where it's like play to contribute to share with the revenue versus yeah well right work to earn right is the idea um but the so for a long time and there's a really great like paper on this called um precarious playbur playbur being this portmanteau between play and labor right um and in 2005, the scholar Julian Kuklich notices that game companies are selling more copies of their games because players are building mods on them. So Counter-Strike is a mod that a player makes and that ends up selling 1.5 million more copies of Half-Life. Uh, and they don't get remuner remunerated for it, right? Uh, and the idea is, okay... Players could be a source of free labor. How we as a capitalist organization exploit them more, right, is the sort of mental model that you then build. And, you know, Dota, League of Legends, Fortnite, PUBG, all mods, yeah. right, made by yeah. players. Skyrim today, 90% mods. Uh, the, the idea here is that players who are building create value and game companies have no way to give it back to them. So finally, now we can think about ways in which we give players back value that they created with the idea that we can have even more value come in, right? Because we're, we're, we're still making a profit, just not as big of one, but we can make more of it through scaling. The other way that players, though, do labor um, is by training themselves to be e-athletes, right? It's like if you let people self-teach, then you don't have to be responsible for training them, which is what the current, like ecosystems for all esports or and sports do right so training yourself to be a pro and then being a pro and winning games and playing games is a kind of labor because you're exploring the depth of experience the game can offer you're being creative re-understanding things teaching other players how to play getting them more addicted because the more you know how to play a game yeah. the more friction there is in leaving that game right so pros help build that and then influencers also produce all this labor for games by playing games and shilling those games. And so what play to earn was doing was somehow tapping into the sense that players do create value and deserve some back, but it was kind of reallocating that value to the wrong players, the players who weren't creating the most value. And so sort of figuring out a better mapping between value creation and reward is what games are going to be chasing for the next year or two. That's, that's super interesting. Yeah, and I think we'll see like a lot of games. I mean, we saw it with DeFi, how many forks there were, like with iterations on token models. Um, and I guess we'll start seeing that with games. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to fork um, a lot of the Web3 games we're seeing because they're not open source. Like Axie's not open source, okay. right? Um, you can fork the ideas, but there's actually a lot of code to get through there and a lot of art assets to build. Um, but Dark Forest is on-chain and is fully open source. And so recently, Dark Forest DAO, the, the DAO I built to play Dark Forest and to win it and to sort of get some value out of it because we saw it as useful, something to get sorry, my teeth into. <laughs> um, we just forked the game to make it a single-player version. Um, so instead of a massively multiplayer game that takes 10 days to play where you're not allowed to sleep and you have to be like top of your class in engineering to play, now like anybody can just like in 45 minutes like get a game out. Um, and then we're going to try and do another iteration where it's in two minutes. Like, what does it mean to play Dark Forest in two minutes? I like Candy Crushify it. For yeah. the TikTok generation. Mm -hmm. 100%. Super cool. Super cool. 
Um, so yeah, could you just switch up the questions for a little bit? Um, if you were, if you were getting started today, kind of, um, have to choose a direction to go in, uh, you, you know, you're going to build a project. You've got like two or three awesome technical co-founders, which direction would you go? NFTs, DAOs, gaming, DeFi. Great question. Um, I would definitely go into the direction of on-chain gaming. The I was compiling the list of people who are building in this field right now, and it's like less than 20. And if something's going to work out like that no one's building in, it's got to be this. Uh, so that's what I would do. Um, and I work on building infrastructure. So there are a lot of things to worry about. Discoverability. So how are we going to find the best forks of the best on-chain games? And um, I think that's going to be an interesting project there. Um, how are we going to um, figure out standards and infrastructure around on-chain gaming? Um, yeah. What I think we have to port a lot of board games to start. Like board games do really well. And then also think through yeah. design principles. So like contemporary games want you to make a hundred moves where you choose between A, B, and C. That's yeah. like what we like. But that's terrible for a blockchain. What you'd rather have is three moves where you choose between one and a hundred. Right? So three really hard moves um, is much better than a hundred really easy moves because of the infrastructure we have available. And so thinking game design in a new way uh, is necessary given the affordances. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, that is a great answer um to the question and yeah i think on-chain gaming i actually know someone building in this space trying to do something pretty cool so i'll definitely connect you um Thanks. but yeah i think it's going to be i think it's going to see an explosion i think as yeah like you said zero knowledge proofs are becoming more widely understood we'll start to see a lot of interesting iterations uh come through um okay final question uh if you could be cmo or head of growth for any project definitely can't choose uh dark forest um because you've already mentioned that any project um in the space which one would it be it's a great question so i mean i'm head of community at alliance so i can't choose that one either uh mm -hmm. and i can't choose dark forest uh i really like uh gitcoin yeah. i think that gitcoin is at the cutting edge of governance of experimentation uh they're very good in providing grants to things that otherwise couldn't exist like dark forest dark forest dow received a large grant recently um we're working at alliance to contribute to their governance and we're sponsoring the latest set of grants there so yeah um yeah i think that would be like the project i'd pick amazing yeah gitcoin are an incredible project and group um and yeah, they, they continue to, to fund some yeah, incredible stuff. So yeah, great answer. Um, thank you so much. If people want to get in touch with you. At Danger Will Robin. It's a lost in space joke. There was a robot. He'd go, Danger Will Robinson. Danger. That's it. Danger Will Robin. For Alliance Dow, um, should they go to the website or go to you directly? No, alliance.xyz um, slash apply. I mean, or alliance.xyz, you'll find the button. Um, don't talk to me directly until you apply. Seriously, I can't handle our inbound. Like I just have to tell you to apply and be like inhumane about it. Don't make me yeah. feel bad. Uh, yeah, unless you're really making an on-chain game and you're serious about that, then you could talk to me. I want to talk to you. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. 
Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Growing Web 3. You can see the show notes and all the resources mentioned in today's episode at hypepartners forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening again, and be sure to hit subscribe to listen to new episodes first. Growing Web 3 is brought to you by Hype Partners, the leading community management and marketing agency for Web 3 organizations. Hype is a global agency of 120 marketers committed to supercharging Web3 ecosystems. Go to www.hype.partners to learn more.